Uh, turn to Micah 7. And uh, may I invite you to pray for me and the elders as we think about uh, the next book that uh, I would be doing an exposition through as we draw to the close of this one. Micah 7. Hear the word of God. Woe is me, for I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been cleaned. There is no cluster to eat, no first, fruit, uh, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among the mankind. They all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. Their hands are on what is evil to do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, and the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. Best of them is like a briar, the most upright of them a thorn henge. The day of your watchmen, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Gird the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I'll bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he plains my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who sent to me. Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls. In that day the boundary shall be far extended. In that day they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of, because of its inhabitants, for the fruit of our dins. Shepherd your people with your stuff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest, in the midst of a garden, land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I'll show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God. They shall be in fear of you. Who is, like, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? 
does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will trend our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. That's a word of God. Ever since Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, their sin set all humanity into a free fall, into their base of wickedness and corruption and sin. Therefore, there is no new sinful invention under the sun. The scarcity of godly people has always been rampant. Political machinations and maneuverings, bloodshed and assassinations have always been there. When we, read the, when we read a passage like this before us, it feels like the Lord, the Lord's eyes are upon our country and seeing what's happening, what with the double demonstrations every week supported by the opposition to protest against the high cost of living among other things. But what are they doing? Using a common monainchi who does not have much and who may lose his limp or life while they sit in bulletproofed limousines. On the other hand, the government responds by force using uniformed monainchi to beat up and uniformed monainchi. Then, this last Monday, we saw a new twist with the vandalism and looting at Mr. Ondinga's gasolina company and the invasion of the former president's property in Roiru. Imagine you are the manager of any of that company, any of that property, knowing that your boss is a senior government officer or former, government, or former president, you would feel powerful and secure. Then one late morning you hear that there are people with power saws cutting down trees and putting up Mabati structures and stealing the livestock. You call the police, they do not respond. What would you do? My dear friends and brethren, we must learn what to do before something similar befalls us. What a great trouble it is to live in a godless society. Micah was faced with a similar circumstance, and he says as much to us. We learn from him how to respond in such circumstances in a godly way. And the summary of his response is in verse 7. But as for me, and that's what we should be doing this afternoon. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. 
Because if we do not learn to look to the Lord, you go and vote in leaders expecting that the most godly will come, but then you find out that the most weakened emerges triumphant. Then you can spend the whole week without eating in frustration and disappointment. For your information, I learned that there were men who were unable to eat for over a week after the last elections because they were waiting with eagerness for their favorite candidates to win the election. That was not to be. Or you hope that the government officers would be more godly and more just, but you find out that the very opposite is the case. We must learn to look to the Lord, not to the governments, not to our men, not to our tribesmen, not to good political connections, but we must look to Jehovah and wait for the God of our salvation in every circumstance. Look at the passage before us. A number of things in terms of lessons that we see. The first one is as we look to the Lord, let us remember where we are. There is spiritual darkness. There is a spiritual darkness. Micah says so in verse 1 to 3. He says, woe is me. Look at the woe of spiritual isolation. The prophet feels alone. He confesses how he cannot fight a godly company. When he says in verse 2, the godly has perished from the earth and there is no one upright among mankind. He thus feels isolated and alone. Do you feel like that? You sit down to talk with a man, with another Kenyan, about the political maneuverings right now, you will feel alone. People expect too much from politicians. You remember the days of Elijah the prof and the prophets of Baal. You remember when he said in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And then he says, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Have any conversation with a fellow Kenyan and you will feel alone. You will feel alone when you consider how they read the news or how they listen, watch news. Thankfully, the Lord reminded him that he had his 7,000 in Israel all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. But of course, the prophet felt the heat of isolation. Or like prophet Micaiah before Ahab and Jehoshaphat, kings of Israel and Judah respectively, 
when all those who purported to be prophets were false prophets. This is in second in First Kings chapter twenty-two. So clearly, if there is the wall of spiritual isolation, then there is the scarcity of the godly. Consider the scarcity of the godly. What does he say? Michael looked for the godly like the summer fruits, uh, such as figs and grapes. And then he says, but there is nothing. Or he says, there is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that, I, that my soul desires. Is he interested in figs and grapes? No. He is saying that there is no godly. There is no one who is upright to be found as he picks it up in the next verse, in verse 2. So the, the, the cluster, the grapes, the ripe fig is all talking about men and women who are regenerated by the Spirit and, and they produce the fruit of the Spirit that can be eaten by others. He is saying that there is no godly. There is no one who is upright. Everyone is evil, he says. The godly are as rare as gold. They are as rare as summer fruit. They are as, as rare as the grapes. And then thirdly, notice the evil of ungodly. The groanings. Let us consider then the universality of evil and ungodliness. What, what does he say there in verse 2? For they all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. All of them are waiting for blood. All of them are vampires. Each one of them lays nurse to patch the godly. And then he says in verse 3, their hands are on what is evil, to do it well. The prince, the judge, what do they want? Bribes. They are corrupt. What about the great man? What does he utter? It is the evil desire of his soul. And then he says, thus, they weave it together. So the machinations of those in power is seen here. The prince, the judge, and the great man are not for you. They are for, they are for themselves. And not for you. Don't bother going to look for your member of parliament as your representative to help you. To help you. In the first place, he did not take that seat with you in mind. It was with himself in mind. No one lied to you that they have a a manifesto, which is for Mwanainchi. 
You know, we have a very progressive manifesto for common good of Kenyans, they tell us. Wait until they get in power. The prince, the judge, the great man, you can say the legislature, the judiciary, and the executive are all together planning. And they are planning what would be in their favor, not in your favor. So this speaks of powerful individuals in the land whose maneuvers and political machinations plunges the nation into more and more anarchy. Of course, we ought to condemn opposition demonstrations. We condemn even more such meetings as were reported to have taken place in the homes of some of the cabinet secretaries and the utterances of some members of parliament encouraging invasion of private pro property. But that just demonstrates, that just illustrates the truth of the scriptures. We have to reject in our minds and hearts all these things that they do. And we must never be in favor of one over the other when there is wickedness in the land. Christians must ever, ever, always against any unlawfulness, all injustice. We mustn't simply say, well, because I live in Kikuyu and my member of parliament has said these things, he is for me. No, he is not. We have to reject it and not see it as godly at all, even though this is our cousin. Even though he may, our, he may be our uncle. And just as Micah calls out to the Lord in desperation, we too should be more prayerful. We must pray for divine intervention. Micah looked to Yahweh because of the wickedness before him. When he cries out, woe is me. This is because the days are evil and the people are wicked. Brothers and sisters, we can say with Isaiah, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We have seen the King. We have seen the Lord of hosts. We are sinners and live with sinners. But we are saved sinners, destined to glory. They are unsaved sinners, destined to hell if they don't repent. But we can turn their course by introducing the good news, the gospel of our Savior to them, to the Lord, turning them to the Lord and showing them the way of life. Like Isaiah, we must be those who are committed to winning them so that we can say, for Zion's sake, I will not keep quiet. I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until 
Her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning uh, torch. As he says there in Isaiah 62. We must look to the Lord Jehovah to draw them from darkness to light. We must not call them warriors. We must not call them the warriors of our community. They are not. We must look to the Lord when we consider the darkness in our land. We must look to the Lord when we behold the woes of spiritual isolation and the scarcity of the godly. We must look to the Lord because of the evil of the ungodly. We must look to, the, to, to Yahweh and to none other, to the Lord Jehovah who reigns eternally. But we must not look either to the prince or to the judge or to the great man. Don't. Because the punishment, their punishment is certain. Their punishment is sure. The Bible says that the best of them is like a briar. The most upright of them is thorn hinge. And these are the kind of people that we are interacting with daily. Don't say that those guys lived in Micah's days. No, they live here today. Whenever he thought that he had found the best person to deal with, Micah would always discover the extent of their depravity. For like briars, they were bitter. And like thorns, they were sharp and prickly. If the best is like a briar, toxic and venomous, and the most upright is like thorns, bloodletting. The most upright is regarded as a thorn edge. Then what hope was there? When wickedness owns a nation like a tyrant, such that there seems no human remedy, what can you do but look to the Lord? If the best of men is evil, then it is better to look to the Lord and to none other. Secondly, God will not overlook evil forever. He sometimes sets your watchmen upon them for their ruin. The so-called watchmen, you look at that very keenly, and you know that this is a title for prophets. But he says that the day of your watchmen, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand. The watchmen, the watch with the watchmen that are called. Your watchmen have come for their rule. The so-called watchmen are a creation of this wicked man. 
of his briars and thorn angels, of these princes and judges and great men, as they call themselves. You remember King Ahab, king of Israel. He had gathered a battery of false prophets who would tell him what he wanted to hear. He had men whom he regarded as his watchmen, as prophets, but who were not worthy anything because God had sent a spirit of delusion so that when they asked, Shall, when, when he asked, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or, or shall I refrain? What did they tell him? They told him what he wanted to hear, that he will win the battle because he did not want the truth. When a godly king Jehoshaphat listened to them all, what did he say? Isn't there another prophet here? He said, yeah, there is one man, but, but you know, he's, he's not a good man. You better not listen to him. No, no, please, let's have him. Then Micaiah comes. And, it, and, and because being, being a prophet, a, a prophet of God, he was not your watchman. He told him, I see you winning this battle. But... Things had never gone that way before with Ahab and Micaiah. So Micaiah, uh, Ahab was like, eh, I don't believe you. Micaiah told him the truth. And he said, you're not coming back. Don't think that that problem was only with Ahab. On Monday this week. Monday, this last Monday, while there were Azimio demonstrations, Madame Rachel Ruto had sent out a media briefing at JKIA to as many pastors as she could summon, summoning them to JKIA to welcome one Apostle Guilamo Maldonado who had been officially invited by Dr. Stephen Mutua of Eagles Christian Church International. Now, this apostle, or rather imposter, does not preach the truth of the gospel. He doesn't preach Christ. He preaches himself. He claims to have the supernatural power of God to perform miracles which was only vested upon the, at the apostolic office. The true apostles were the twelve chosen by Christ, appointed by the Lord, and they could only be replaced by a man who had been there with Jesus from the day of the baptism of John to the day of his resurrection, were witnesses of his resurrection and ascension. Are you telling me that Apostle Walimo Maldonado was there? He's an imposter. Anyway, we were being told to go to JK to welcome him. He is an investor. That's what they called him. 
when we have our own political leaders endorsing heretics. Isn't that what the Lord is saying here about your watchmen? A few meters down Manyanja Road is what is called Jesus' teaching ministry, Peter Manyuru. He is a darling of politicians. Did you know that? What does he do for a living? He doesn't preach the gospel. What does he do? He sells anointing oil, and for you to afford it, you must get a loan. So you can imagine how much money we are talking about and how many homes are broken as he captures weak women who would then go get loans and buy his anointing oil or handkerchiefs. And for your information, I've met with such. I've met with a woman living down the road here who went and obtained a loan of 300,000, supposedly so that they would be able to buy a house and the curse of paying rent will be cast away by Intermanual. This is the darling of our politicians. They go there. For your information, these politicians don't buy the anointing oil. They leave that to the common monainchi. And I can go on and on. But when people do not love the truth, the Bible says that God sends a spirit of delusion and confusion as it is with these so-called ministries. So the Bible says here that the punishment will come. In which form? In, form, in the form of your watchmen, such men that you want to listen to, who will tickle your ears. The day of your punishment has come, the Bible says, in setting these men who are false teachers. God. Is unleashing his punishment. For they exchange the truth for a lie. Their punishment is first by rejecting the truth and loving error. And so God gives them up their debased mind. And the Bible says here that punishment will, uh, will confound them because the Bible says now their confusion is at heart. In case you do not know, the current proliferation of churches is by an activity of none other but Satan. Let me prove to you, last month, a common Kikuyu comedian opened up a church at the Northern Bypass. Do you know how many people attended the first service? And do you know how he is doing right now with his ministry? Who is endorsing him? He had been excommunicated by his church. But he has thousands following him. What is it? It's exactly what we have in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9 to 12. 
The Bible says there that the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Who are they? They are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So if they hear a new church has been opened up in Ruiru, they run there. It doesn't matter whether it's true or it's false. Because God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but an pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to assure you that for so long as we live, we shall push back error and heretics shall be mentioned and exposed. Because the Bible says here, then virtually, cursed is he who trusts in a man. Verse 5 and 6. You must look to the Lord. You must not trust in a neighbor. You have to have no confidence in a friend, even in a relative. Bible says, verse 5, do not, put not trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend, guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. The prophet simply gives this moratorium. Put no trust in a neighbor. Your neighbors are untrustworthy. So they move the ancient lad boundary. They can poison your children by giving them drugs and substances to abuse so that they become addicts and alcoholics. They can introduce them to such wickedness as pornography. Beware, do not trust anyone. You must not be unsuspecting. You have to be keen. Don't trust them. And then the Bible says, as for your friends, put no confidence in them. For who are your enemies? It is your former friends. You must not be ever assuming that an unbelieving friend can be without ulterior motives. Unbelievers cannot be trusted, even if they are your friends, for they serve another master. And they are from another kingdom. And their destiny is different from yours. Put no confidence in a friend. Therefore, what are you to do? You are to guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms or your bosom. See, when the Lord is judging a nation, he turns them against each other as it was with the builders of the tower of Babel. The Lord does confuse and confound those who oppose his ways and who reject the truth and exchange it for a lie. As for believers, we need to be very guarded, lest we fall prey to the machinations of the wicked. We must not, we must not 
be too trusting. Or too confident with the world of the ungodly. They tend to lay traps and snares on God's children. Thus, we must be as clever as serpents and yet peaceful as doves. That's our calling. Well, your neighbor is not to be trusted. Your friend is not to be trusted. What about your relatives? Paul Lesana. Because the Bible says here that, that the son will treat the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her own mother, the mother who nursed her. The daughter-in-law is against her mother-in-law. And man's enemies are the men of his own house. Poor family relations do not begin yesterday. So when you watch that program, does it still exist, mother-in-law? Is it there? Don't say guy, because these things have been there all these days. Another judgment. And this is a proof of God's judgment. When a son treats the father with contempt, eh? I think that needs to be put in Kiswahili. Hmm? Anamunyesha baba madharau. The daughter rises up against her own mother. What is that? But God's judgment. A day when you want to amuse yourself, Go to, uh, uh, to, to, to these family law courts. You will hear stories. If you thought that Vionja Makamani is amusing, that will be more amusing. Because you hear of what people do to one another. And you're wondering, it's bad enough to have many enemies from the unbelieving world and to have untrustworthy neighbors and bad friends. What about my own children? What about my parents? What about when this enmity comes so close to those with those who are near and dear to you? What about if your own family members want to destroy you or even kill you? The Lord cites this prophecy while encouraging us to take up our cross and follow him. In Matthew 10, verse 34 to 39, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Some of you have made your children idols. But soon they grow. They become dragons to swallow you up. Don't worship them when they are small. Don't worship them when they grow up. The Lord alone is to be worshipped. I listen to stories of people who will do anything for their children. Because they want to support them. You know, if, if there is a game to be played on Sunday... The parents will support their children and go to the field with them on the Lord's day. Please don't do that. If you shall be a follower of Christ, then you, shall, you have to be willing and ready to face these difficult relationships with your own family members. For if they don't follow or obey Christ, do not regard him as their master, then it means that they would not follow him and will seek to prevent those who do from following and obeying Christ. Hence this collision, this enmity. So what do you do if a man's enemies are the men of his own house? What do you do? Where would you fight sweet relief if not from your mom and dad or from your son or daughter? What will you do when the family members turn against you because you have trusted in the Lord and want to obey, you want to obey him? I remember 17, 18 years ago when my parents and my siblings did not want me to pursue gospel ministry. They were opposed. And that was a battle. It was a raging battle, but I had to obey God rather than man. They did everything to stop me from going in that direction. But thankfully, the Lord helped me, and here I am today, having been a pastor here for 13 years. Praise God. But as for me, now gets very personal. As for me, is what the prophet says. But as for me, if you're not prepared to take a position and stand and say, but as for me, not going to get anywhere. How many times have you had to tell your dad and mom, but as for me, meaning as for me being a child of God, I know you are my mom and dad, but God gave me to you as a gift. But as for me, what will I do? But as for you, what will you do? Where should you flee? Who will be your refuge? 
What will be your strength? Will you stand up and bless the Lord as a people of his choice? Will you stand up and bless the Lord Jehovah your God with heart and soul and voice? You must. So God is our strength and song and his salvation is ours. And be his love in Christ proclaimed with all our ransomed powers. So stand up and bless the Lord, the Lord our God adore. Stand up and bless his glorious name henceforth forevermore by resolving like Jonathan Edwards to never ever let anyone else take the first place in your life other than God. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. You know, if all Christians in the land were able to take up this phrase and say, but as for me, there would be fewer demonstrators tomorrow. If Christians were to act as Christians, there would be less men to be used by politicians in this land. Yes. This is the only remedy. I will look to the Lord. I will look to the Lord. The only hope in such times as this, I will look to the Lord. Now you notice that the prophet does not say, but as for us, we will look to the Lord. What does he say? But as for me, I will look to Jehovah. It is a personal resolution. My friend, if you have not had Jonathan Edwards moment, you better do. And we must have Jonathan Edwards' resolutions where we are resolved to, he says, firstly, listen to Jonathan Edwards. He says, firstly, resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good, profit, and pleasure in the world of my duration without any consideration of the time whether now or never so many myriads of ages hence, resolved, he says, to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general, resolved to do this, whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great, how great soever. And he says, fourthly, resolved. Never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God. Nor be, nor suffer it, if I can avoid it. That's you. But as for me, I will look to the Lord and to his glory and to his interest. 
As for me, I will look to the Lord, his kingdom and his righteousness. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. Love him and serve him and glorify his name. We must not be led astray by bad examples. We must not depend on the arm of flesh, for it will fail us. We must not trust in a neighbor or a friend. We must not let ourselves be provoked by the wickedness of the ungodly to do evil or to revenge. Instead, look to the Lord Jehovah. Look to Yahweh. And it means to behold him, to trust in his wisdom and his care. It therefore comes with an aspect of expecting from the Lord to do justice and to act graciously. We must look, look to the Lord. For he's the only true and trustworthy person there is. If we shall ourselves be sane in the midst of a crumbling society, in the midst of the wickedness of our day, then we must be looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he scoffed its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Would you then behold the Lamb of God today? Will you trust him? For he is the most trustworthy person there is. Would you depend on him for this life and for the one to come? Would you? If we all said, but as for me, I will look to the Lord, there would be less political affiliations. That is one of our problems. We are too politically aligned. And yet we know that these politicians do not serve our interests. They do not. They serve whose interests? Theirs. Oh, not theirs alone. They also serve the interest of the kingdom of Satan, in case you didn't know. As for me, I will wait for the God of my salvation. Equally, we must be resolved to wait patiently for the God of our salvation. This is what he told the Israelites to do when faced by the waters of the Red Sea before them and the armies of Pharaoh behind them. Moses told them from the Lord, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of Jehovah, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord, Yahweh, will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord fights for his people. The people of God must learn to trust him and to wait for him since 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? Let us wait and look, waiting for the glorious power of God to deliver us from all wickedness and woe. Because, finally, my God will answer me. So I can say, but as for me, my God, the God of my salvation will answer me. He will answer my prayer. But as for me, this is the application. But as for me, I will pray. And when I pray, God, Jehovah, the covenant making, the covenant keeping God will answer. We are assured many times that the Lord will answer our prayers. In the midst of all the turmoil we have to deal with. Can you imagine you carrying two stones that you've bought? You've bought hands so that you can be spared and be allowed to pass through? Who has had to endure that this last week? Who has bought a stone this last week? Then you have, you've been good to keep indoors. You don't know what has been happening. Well, so I may as well indicate to you, if you hear that there are demonstrations, you may as well put two uh, stones in your bag. Because if you don't, you will have to buy. And you will have to lift them up like this for you to be given a safe passage. Is it true, my dear? In the midst of all the turmoil we have to deal with, let us never forget that God will answer us. He is not deaf that he cannot hear when we pray. His heart is not short. His power has not run out. God will answer me. And when he answers me, he will do such things as no man can do. He will show his favor upon me and be gracious and merciful to me. He will hear my prayers and bless me. He will come through for me and establish his ways in my life. He will establish his course in us and for us. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. It will be that the Lord will hear our prayers. God will answer me is the good news today. God will answer you. And he will only answer you when you do what? Yes, you have not because you do not ask. God will answer your prayers. 
you will.